0: Hey, how's it going? This is uh, Dave here. I'm uh, back again today to uh, continue to mix it up a little bit. This one is definitely going to be different. We haven't heard anything like this uh, yet. What I plan on doing here is uh, publishing an episode from the Outdoors Online Marketing Podcast uh, that we did a while back. And um, this is a little project that i've been working on you've probably heard a little bit about it but i've highlighted it occasionally over time um but it's kind of the the place i've been spending a lot of time uh, interviewing some really great guests and having a lot of fun over there so the episode today is actually on uh, focused on uh, blogging essentially writing content for your blog so this probably only applies if you're interested in that um but I wanted to get it out there because I really enjoyed it. And, uh, and actually, as I'm writing now, I try to think about this strategy, which is very straightforward, but makes a lot of sense. And that you're <clears throat> combining, um, you kind of have key pieces of uh, information, and then you're backing those up with more information. Um, so anyways, I haven't implemented a lot of it yet, but I kind of haven't wanted to share it with you if you weren't familiar with it. Um, and, and Mike was somebody that I definitely was recommended to chat with, and it was a great episode. So I'm just going to play the full episode here so you can get a feel for the Outdoors Online uh, marketing podcast, how that all goes down. It's pretty similar to what we're doing here at the Wetfly Swing. Uh, if you have a business, this, is, uh, this could potentially be helpful for you. If you know somebody, you could always share it. So I'm going to play that and then afterwards we'll wrap back up, um, just to take us out of here. So again, this is kind of a little bit of a, um, little meta podcast within a podcast. And, um, I guess it's one way to help promote something. And, you know, this show I've, you know, it's been growing slowly and that's mainly because I really haven't been given enough time on the marketing side, but, um, but it is a good resource and I'm, happy to share it here. So hope you enjoy Let's uh, Let's get into it. Here you go. The, the intro is, uh, I enjoy, always enjoy listening to it. Let's see what we got.
1: So the top of the pyramid is something we want to sell, and that encapsulates a keyword phrase that we want to rank number one for. Whatever that is for you or for your business, Uh, for your website. What is it that you want to rank number one for that you want people who are going to buy from you as soon as they search for that particular keyword phrase? So have that thing in mind. And now come up with three main topics.
0: That was Mike Alton describing his pyramid strategy for blogging. Time to focus and take a few killer notes. Welcome to today's session of the marketing podcast.
1: This is OutdoorsOnline.co, the marketing podcast that helps you elevate your business through online marketing master sessions. Join Dave each
0: week as he helps you grow your online influence via interviews with leading entrepreneurs
1: from around the world.
0: Here you go. Mike Alton, AKA The Blog Father, breaks down the step by step process to creating and ranking your blog post to number one. Mike shows us the steps to becoming a better blogger and how to decide what content to write. Plus, I squeeze out a couple of great tools and a uh, a killer takeaway at the end of the show. Turn up the earbuds and enjoy today's episode with Mike Alton from bloggingbrute.com.
1: How's it going, Mike? fantastic Dave how are you
0: good good it's uh, great to have you on the show here I want to talk to uh, we were just chatting briefly there off here about uh, some of the things that you got going it sounds like you have some pretty cool stuff going to, to help people if they're struggling with their websites and blogs so we're going to jump into everything there but can you talk about how you first got into uh, online marketing and then how you brought it into where you are today
1: oh well sure so I've got a long history in IT, uh, sales, networking, computer builds, those kinds of things. And, and in that process, I started building websites. And I started my own web design company back in 2007 when I moved from Ohio to St. Louis. And I did that for a few years and it was very ungratifying. Um, I was building sites for, for local businesses and, and I'd give them these massive systems where they could add content, and edit content, and add blog posts and those kinds of things. And they never did. Right? Yeah. I build a system and they treat it like a five-page brochure website. And that was very saddening to me. But in that process, I discovered while promoting my own site that I really liked to write for myself. I liked to write about social media. I liked to teach people how to use content and blogging. So that's when I started my own business. I started writing just for the sake of writing. I didn't really have a business plan. I didn't have a model. I didn't have a strategy. I started the socialmediahat.com simply as a place to share that interest and that passion that I had, and it's been a really interesting journey ever since then. That's great. Uh, and and then social media hat
0: and that was a, a note I had here. How did you how did you go from social media hat into blogging brood
1: and, and why did you start another site there? Well, I mentioned that I didn't have a strategy, and of course, that's usually a mistake when you want to start a new business, mm-hmm. uh, not having a plan. So I started the social media hat, and I thought. In my limited understanding at the time, this was almost 10 years ago, I'm celebrating, I think it's uh, nine years today, that uh, if I simply wrote about anything related to online business, online marketing technology, that I would bring in business owners to my content and then I would be able to sell them something, whether that was an affiliate link relationship uh, to a software that might help them with social media or actually hiring me as a consultant for social media training. Well, that was wrong. (laughs) I was writing about uh, business furniture. I was writing about, I was live blogging Apple releasing their iPhone 3GS, I recall, back in the day. And that traffic that I wrote back then, it brought in no traffic Mm -hmm. at all, or that content that I wrote brought in no traffic. And so it brought in no leads and no sales. Over time, I realized, well, this is a site supposedly about social media, maybe I should focus on writing about social media. So I learned through hard experience and painful experience that when I would write about Facebook, people wanted to read that and they wanted to learn about that and they would share that. Those articles exploded. When I wrote about office furniture, nobody cared. <laughs> yeah, Nobody. Um, so I, I I started to narrow that focus and narrow that niche into online marketing. So I kind of focused on anything within content marketing. So that's creating content optimizing content promoting content so social media email marketing seo and blogging were kind of my my thing my niche and then i was doing some homework because i had written an article called how to start a blog and i had done research before i wrote the article and i knew what was out there and i knew that what i was about to write should outperform everything else i was setting out to create a page one Google search results piece of content. It's like 10,000 words. I knew what the competition was like and I knew I was optimizing. I I just knew this is what should rank based on everything I know about SEO. And it never ranked. Hmm. It it sat for six months and it just it it would never get anything because I can track that with SEMrush and and so on. I can see where I'm positioned without even having to go to Google and look. And I started to dig into my site, started to dig into my Google Analytics. And this was in... 2018 and i found that i'd written probably about 100 articles on blogging all kinds of you know how to make money blogging how to start a blog how to promote your blog i mean just everything and in three months in the last quarter of, of 2018 those 100 articles combined got 250 page views <laughs> It's terrible. I mean, that's basically nothing. I mean, that's basically me looking at my (laughs) own content for a few months, right? That's no traffic whatsoever. And that was obviously very disappointing. But one of the things that I tried to do was think through how I could still use that content and pivot. And I'd struggled with some brand awareness and that sort of thing with the social media hat. Because if you go there, it's not me. It's the social media hat. That was the way I designed it. I built it to be a portal and not a reflection of who I am. And so I thought, you know what, maybe I should just build a new website. So that's what I did. I built, I came up with a name and a design and, and, and pinged my friends and got input. And I built Blogging Brute to be, first of all, a resource for blogging, but also at the same time, a better reflection of me and who I am and what I do. Because teaching people how to blog and how to create content in a meaningful, successful way is really core of who I am as an individual. And I was able to make this site also from an aesthetic perspective, really reflect who I am. It's, it's my colors. It's my feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the social media hat really is, uh, I said it's a portal. It's more of a corporate blog. Uh, corporate's probably not the right word, but it's, it's, yeah. it's just different. Yeah, that, yeah. that's all it is so i i, I took all that content migrated it away put it in a completely different site hmm. and now interestingly both sites are flourishing even more uh that blogging content those hundred articles that got 200 f- page views over three months they now get three to five hundred page views a day hmm. on, a your on your new site on your new site on the new site right and and they weren't doing anything on the old site which means they were actually hurting the old site so now that old site Let's say there were a thousand articles, and one hundred of them were about blogging. That's probably pretty close to what to accurate. So now it's nine hundred articles, but instead of being ninety percent about social media, it's a hundred percent about social media, and that's the kind of thing Google looks at. So it was really
0: effective. There you go. That, that is so cool. I. Uh, You know, it's there's so many things I want to dig into here. I think the niche, the (laughs) niching thing is is I had John Lee Dumas on recently, and I asked him a question about niching down. I said, "How do you know when you're in a small enough niche?" And he said that if you niche down and you look around and and nobody's there. Then, then you know you're okay, you're good, and then he also <laughs> then he also said if you look around and you know that you could smoke the competition, he knows you're good in, and, and that really resonated with me because I think that's where I'm kind of at. You know, I mean, I've got a fly fish, uh, fly fishing companies and outdoor companies, and and I'm trying to teach them online marketing by interviewing people like yourself, right? So it's this ultra niche. But I think I feel like I'm good because I I know a little bit about both of those niches. I mean, going back to, you know, the SEO and and writing and it sounds like, I mean, and I've also had some people talk about how just write, you know, just write content. Don't worry about the SEO. It sounds like that's kind of what you found. What, What would you tell somebody that's really focused on SEO, but just wants to
1: get some traffic to their site? When I hear people say things like don't. Don't write for bots. Don't write for Google. Don't don't worry about SEO. I I know where they're coming from, but that kind of advice is dangerous because you don't want to ignore Google. You don't want to ignore search Yeah, because then you're doing yourself and your site and more importantly, your business a disservice in the long run. You don't have to write for a search engine to optimize your content and do your homework. And that's really what it, it is for me. It boils down to doing your homework. When you're going to create a piece of content, whatever that is, whatever it is that you want to write, take a few minute, minutes to do some research. You can use Google Keyword Planner as a free tool. I love SEMrush, but it's expensive. So if you're not using it on a regular basis, it's not worth the cost. But you can use tools... To do some basic research and say, okay, I know I want to write about uh, trout fishing in the Green River, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody else cares about trout fishing in the Green River. So you need to do a lookup. You need to actually find out for yourself, before you create that content, how many people are actually searching for that particular keyword phrase month over month over month. Once you've verified that there's actual interest in that, and it's not just... Uh, first of all, the, the the sad reality is a lot of things that we want to write about nobody else cares about. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. we want to avoid that, which is again, that was my mistake so many years ago. And I I'd love to say I don't make that mistake anymore, but that's not true. But I make that mistake fewer times uh, per month mm-hmm. than I used to. I try to focus on writing about things that I know other people are searching for, and more importantly, we'll learn through the research. The tools will give us the information. They'll tell us. Not only how many people are searching for the specific phrase that we put in, but what are some variations, right? You might find that very few people are searching for trout fishing in the Green River, but you might have a thousand people a month that are searching for fly fishing in the Green River. Oh, well, I can write about fly fishing in the Green River. And that's just a change in word that there's a change in meaning, of course, too, but that change is something i can handle as a writer as a creator of content uh the same things happening for me i found that uh, i had created a lot of content about a blogging planner because that's a, that's mm-hmm. a digital product that i created and i sell to help people figure out what they're going to write about when they're going to write and all the different things that they got to do and then write that down and plan it out so i i i optimized for blogging planner but i didn't do my homework again I, this is mm-hmm. you know i I, I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody <laughs> for not taking that leap. I was really excited about creating the product. So I just leapt into it and I created a blogging planner. Come to find out more people search for blog planner than blogging planner. Right. I mean like exponentially more people. I mean this is a really bonehead mistake on <laughs> my part. Um, so that's what I recommend they do. Do the homework up front and then then dive into the and, content. And then, then I, there, there's certainly some things you can think about from an SEO perspective but most of the time, yeah, don't worry about search engines when you're in the writing. Once you've decided on a keyword phrase that you know will work, that you know that they're interested in, now just focus on sharing what's already in your head. That's right. And can you walk us through
0: just quickly uh, maybe something from that you've produced recently just so we could hear your process of how, you you know, you, you don't have to dig way deep into SEO, but how you go about finding the keyword and then, you know, your whole thing into when you publish it?
1: Sure. So like I said, I use SEMrush mostly because once I do the initial keyword search, because you can just, there's an easy search field. You plug in a keyword and it will show you what the average monthly search volume is for that particular keyword as well as the competition.
0: And are you looking, I mean, I've heard people, you know, plenty of people talk about different levels and volume because that's one thing in fly fishing. If you look at that niche, you're right. I mean, it is some of these, some of these keywords are so tiny. There's just no searches at all versus online marketing, Mm. which is gigantic. But yeah, is there a volume?
1: What what would you tell somebody there? That's an excellent question. The volume is definitely going to vary depending on who you're targeting, what you're targeting and what you hope to gain, right? If you're selling, you know, uh, a fly kit that's like 25 bucks or less you want volume you really do yeah. i mean you can't afford to sell one a month that's no. not going to bring you enough volume to make it worthwhile right. uh, whereas if you are selling a weekend excursion where you're going to yep. teach people how to do fly fishing and you're going to charge four or five thousand dollars for the weekend uh for this you know package that's a great point uh mike i
0: just want to interrupt because i think you're on to something good here. I always love to kind of guide these things because it, it helps um, It helps kind of listeners out there. But, I, you know, I've had uh, one example. I had a guide, right? So they're charging probably $500 a trip, some of them more. Um, and so he wants to get traffic. You know, he just wants to find more people. So if he was writing content, what, what would you recommend? You know, what would be a recommendation there is going through this process?
1: Yeah. So for that kind of a situation, you can be looking at keywords that get as low as 100 searches a month. Oh, okay. That's okay. Yeah, because you probably aren't going to sell a hundred. Um, no, I mean, there's. We can go into okay the hundred searches a month. That's total. That doesn't mean they're all going to come to your site, even if you're the one no. ranking. But yeah. obviously, your expected volume and your required volume can be a lot lower when it, the value is higher. So just that's kind of the gauge, okay? Right, where the 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 less dollar amount that we're going to bring in for a particular sale, the more we need gotcha. in order to have a successful so, business.
0: So for you, if you're say this blog um, um, planner, what sort of just, you know, or if you do have an example, you could tell us from a volume that you were looking for.
1: Yeah. So with that particular type of search, what I'm looking at really is, is two different things. I'm looking at audiences. I'm looking at people who are looking to start a blog and businesses. Yeah who are looking to leverage content to market their business. So I actually have like two different audiences and I'm creating content for both of those audiences. And sometimes the end result overlaps, right? So sometimes I'm talking to a relatively new blogger, like they're in their first year and they've started the blog, but they're not sure where to take it. That's an instance where, you know, that $10, $20 blogging planner, that's, that's probably a good fit for them. By the same token, I might be talking to an enterprise client, um, through their through my content, not ver- verbally talking to them, and they're in the same situation. They've got content, they've got a blog, but it's not on track. So they want a tool to help them. So the 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 end results the same, but the volume is going to be very different between those two audiences, and the volume in terms of the content that I create is going to be different. People who are looking to start a blog, mm-hmm. there's a lot of them out there, but that's actually a challenging group to target because people don't self-identify as a new blogger. They don't say, I'm starting a blog. I'm a new blogger. They right. don't put that in any place. Um, so you've got some very basic keywords, you know, how to start a blog, starting a new blog, how to make money blogging. Those are the kinds of keywords that I target mm-hmm. to that audience. And uh, they're tending to be around anywhere from 1,000 to 10,000 searches okay. per month. So it's a decent volume. If I, you know, if I were to sell, you know, a hundred or a thousand planners in a month, I'd be pretty happy. Uh, Even if it's a low dollar item, that's, that's fine for me. So I start to look at that and I start to brainstorm and map out some of the, first of all, problems that I know those people are having. And I look for questions that they're having. And one of the real benefits of having an active social presence and an active blog that people can comment in some kind of a community whether it's a facebook group or something like that where you're working with people is that the questions will surface to you so i have a boot camp where i train people how to create content and structure it and so on and, and there's this one wonderful gal who's going through that boot camp right now and every other day she's asking me questions and she's like apologizing for asking me <laughs> some questions right. and i keep having to come back to her and say no 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 please don't ever apologize for asking questions because you're helping me. One of the questions she asked me a few weeks ago was once I've decided what I'm going to blog about and I've got the WordPress site up and running, how do I actually launch it, right? How do I tell the world about my new blog? What's my process? How many blog posts should I have published? Uh, You know, what's, what's, what's my launch plan? How do I, you know, make this thing a big deal? Which was a great question. And it wasn't something I'd answered. Mm-hmm. Previously, so I did some research. I did some homework on the question itself: Are people actually searching for this kind of a thing? Uh, is it just her? And I realized, no, this is this is a thing. People want to know about this. It's not just her. I actually have a product already. Actually, too, I've got a planner for just how to start your blog, like how to identify your niche. You know what what Johnny Dumas was talking about: mm-hmm. how to research that. And then I've got a different product, a planner, just for launches. Now I wrote that mostly for sales campaigns, but it works just as well. We're launching a new product or launching a new blog, so I created a bundle, a sales bundle for twenty-five bucks, where you get both those things and an ebook on how to start a blog. And then I wrote an article about how to launch a blog. You've already decided what you're going to blog about. You've already built the website. You've already created some initial content. What are your next steps and in what order? I created a framework and everything, and I published that just last week. Mm-hmm. So. That's the process that I went through to figure out what should I write about. A lot of that was given to me as feedback, right, from my audience. I vetted it, made sure that it was actually something of interest, something that not only were there people searching, but something that I could write about and that something would benefit my business. That's a really important consideration. What's the end result going to be? Gotcha. Another student this morning came to me. uh, She's been throwing me. Um, outlines or drafts of blog posts and, and asking for feedback, which is great. And one of the ones she gave me today was the top 10 things to know about their company's CEO. So very personal employee spotlight kind of piece of content. And I said, this is... Probably not good for the blog. Hmm. This looks great for social media. I would take each one of these 10 things, these personal facts about the CEO, and have her record them as little videos and upload them to Instagram stories or Twitter or something like that. But for blog content, I said, I don't think this is going to do anything for you. There's very little about the business. There's very little about the industry. You're not
0: helping anybody.
1: you publish it today. Yeah. And you might get a few people that read it today and then it's going to die and nobody's going to come and read this piece of content because no one's searching for anything that you talk about there.
0: Yeah. yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, obviously writing is, you know, whether you're a good writer or a bad writer in between, that's a part of it. But um, just when when you're writing the the format for the blog post and I mean, you know, headline, any other tips or things that you would recommend with somebody's kind of struggling to create a, a nice, clean blog post?
1: Oh, absolutely. So the first thing I'll say is that no one's born being a good writer. No, it takes a lot of practice, just like any other skill. Obviously, some people are going to be more adept or adept at writing. They might learn faster. They might pick it up faster. They might have some innate skills in terms of imagination and thought process and so on. That's going to make it easier for them. But even the best writers have been doing it for a long time and they've invested a lot of time and energy in learning how to hone their craft. So that's my first statement that I always say to anybody who says, I'm, I'm not a good writer yep. or I hate writing. I get that <laughs> every day. <Yep. laughs> Even my best friends are like, Mike, I hate writing. Can't you write this for me? Because I get it. It's it's hard, just like anything else that we aren't used to doing. It is challenging. So I, I offer that comfort up front. And then I say, OK, great. Now that you know it's OK to find this challenging, here's what I would do to make it less challenging front, And that is to adopt a framework for your content. And I usually hmm. teach the five paragraph essay that my sophomore English teacher taught me, which Not is cool. that you've got a headline, you've got an introductory paragraph in, to, in which you introduce what it is you're going to talk about. And then you have three main points that you're going to make. Those are your middle three paragraphs. And usually in those paragraphs, you'll make a point and then you'll back it up with Some evidence, some statistics, some opinions, if you want. It's a blog. It's okay. It's not a research paper. And whatever it is you think, why you think that is, then you move on to the next point. Your next point, and then you wrap it all up in a conclusion. Now, when I say five paragraphs, the funny thing is today, I'm not being literal. In high school, I was literal. In 1990, it was always literally a five-paragraph essay. Yeah. Today we don't write that way anymore. We break that up. Your if, if you had a paragraph where you're making a point and then you're offering a couple of pieces of evidence or examples to back up that point, that would be at least three paragraphs. So this five paragraphs is probably going to be more like nine or 12 or 15 paragraphs. And that's great. We like small paragraphs. We like bite-sized chunks. The other thing that will happen as a result of kind of framing. Mm-hmm. Your output of written content this way is that by writing this way, having an introduction and three main points in the conclusion, you're probably going to hit 750 to a thousand words, and that's always a question I get asked. Well, how long yeah. should my content be? And the default answer is it needs to be as long as it needs to be to convey what it is that you want to convey to teach what you're trying to teach. But the reality is, short blog content is usually worthless. Yep. Unless you're Seth Godin and you already have millions <laughs> of followers, yeah. right? Uh, which none of us are, but Seth, writing something that's 250 words or less is not worth your time. It's not going to bring in a lot of interest up front because you just can't teach that much in 250 words. And you're certainly not going to rank well in search for that little amount of text. In fact, if you're using WordPress, and you're using Yoast's SEO plugin, Mm -hmm. which I highly advise, the plugin's going to yell at you. Yeah, (laughs) It's going to say, hey, you haven't put enough text. They're going to specifically talk about the text-to-HTML ratio, which just means when you've got a website, you've got a header and a footer and a sidebar and all this stuff that's around the actual body of your text, and it uses HTML to create all that stuff. And when you publish something that's just a few sentences, a couple paragraphs, That's very little text. You've got more HTML code to create that page than you have actual content. Search engines are looking at that, and that's a no-no. So you don't want to do that. So if you have that five-paragraph framework and you're forcing yourself to introduce your topic, maybe tell a little story, share two or three points, and back up those points. Don't just say, Facebook is the best platform for networking. (laughs) Sure, why? Mm -hmm. Why is it the best platform for networking? You know, the green rivers, the best river for trout fishing. Why? Why is that the best place? And I'm totally making this up. I don't know anything about fly fishing or rivers or anything, (laughs) Uh, but I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know why that is. And I should have something to back that up. Maybe it's my experience. Maybe there's data. Maybe it's a combination of both. Maybe I can bring in some outside expertise you know well you know dave was there last summer and he mm-hmm. had the best summer he's ever had for fishing okay great right. why uh share that information and when you've gone through that process now you've got a really interesting piece of content that's going to perform well and resonate well with your audience and at the same time with search engines yep
0: yep that's that's a great advice for sure how much you know while you're you, know, you that they're, you know, adding content. I'm thinking about, again, you know, if you take it to a podcast and, you know, we've talked a little bit about this, but, uh, you know, somebody has a podcast and maybe they take the transcript and they're going to break that up and then, you know, create a blog post out of it. I know you've talked about this before that you don't recommend mm-hmm. um, giving this out, right? Finding a virtual assistant. Can you talk a little bit about that? Whether you need to be writing this yourself or do people are there successful people that are just hiring that out?
1: Yeah, I I love that you've gone this way because it does dovetail from what we were just talking about from people who don't like to write. There are people who much prefer to talk. There are people who prefer to create podcast content or live video content. And that's wonderful. And there's no reason why you can't use that for blog content. So...
0: And that me—that is me, Mike. We're doing the. This yeah, is the personal yeah. coaching session now because I, you know, the podcast. <laughs> I love. I mean, here's my story, right? My story is yeah. I love the podcast. And I've come into these podcasts and realized that it's my it's my thing, right? I'm I enjoy it. I'm pretty decent at it. But the blogging thing has always been a struggle for me. And I actually just talked to somebody this morning who's a writer for me and stuff and for other stuff, but you know, he's doing it for other people. He's writing these posts and ranking them. And I just, it's interesting because, yeah, I'd love to hear your take on it.
1: Yeah. So what we're doing right now, you and I, Dave, is we're creating content using the interview approach, right? You're asking me questions and you're relying on me to provide that expertise, which is great. And it's a really fun way to create content. And particularly when you're doing as a podcast or live video interview, they're typically going to last 30 to 60 minutes, which means if you translate that literally into written text, they're probably five to 10,000 words, hmm. which means you could potentially get multiple blog posts out of a single podcast or live video interview. And because of the length, you definitely want to get some help. Yeah. Right, dealing with that because you personally transcribing that, it's it's not worth your time. No, you can do that so much easier and so much more affordably using tools like Rev.com or, or quick.io uh, or outsourcing to a VA in the Philippines who's only going to charge you four bucks an hour. And I'm yeah. not even exaggerating. That's literally what they're gonna charge <laughs> you to do it. And so they're gonna be able to come back to you with a transcript. But here's there's two caveats to doing this way in terms of content creation. The first is that reading a transcript is usually not high on most people's priorities. No. So it's not bad for SEO, but it's not good for the reader's experience. So that's like there's there's basically three tiers to taking podcast or video content and turning it into a blog. The first tier is you publish a description of what it is that, you know, like you interviewed me. So, hey, I talked to Mike Alden. We talked about blogging. It's like 250 to 500 words, the description, and you embed the player, and that's it. Mm -hmm. That's level one. Anybody can do that. And quite frankly, if you're not doing that, you can start doing that tomorrow, right? For all the podcasters in the audience or the live video interviews in the office, that's a bare minimum. You absolutely must do that. Make sure that your interviews exist on your blog. Step two or level two is get that transcript. Still do the description at the top. Still embed the player, the podcast, or the video player. And then have the transcript below it that somebody can read and reference. But like I was just saying, most people aren't going to read that. So level three or tier three is let's summarize. Let's take the transcript and write about the interview. Let's summarize and explain and organize what was described. And now it reads like an article that somebody actually will Read. They'll actually be able to read it and learn from it. And I'll tell you, everybody learns differently. So you will now attract people that would not have listened to the podcast or watched the live video. You'll attract people like me. Yeah, I prefer to read. Hmm. I don't want to listen, and I sure as heck don't want to watch a video, <laughs> uh, particularly if I'm like I'm lying in bed at night, and and you know everyone around me is a sleeper. I get I have two young girls. My youngest, I still have to put her to sleep, and so I can't lay with her at night, and listen to a video or a podcast. I am reading. When I come across a news story that's in video format, I skip it. I don't watch it. So that takes more time. You can still outsource that. I've seen VAs do really, really great work summarizing an interview, providing the transcript, but then also providing a written description of it. And, of course, the interviewer Uh, can do that as well and when you're doing that now you're creating content that is really rich and valuable and great for seo but there's a problem the problem with the entire approach and this is probably what you're starting to hit dave is that when you're interviewing me while you can ask questions and you can kind of set the table for the discussion you can't control what i'm going to say and you can't really dictate what direction the conversation is going to go. No. You can't to an extent, right? But you don't have total control because it's I'm another human and I can say whatever I want. <laughs> so if I want to talk about basket weaving for the next 15 minutes, that's, that's right. what we're going to talk that's about. Right. You it. know, I can answer every question with a basket weaving metaphor. So <laughs> the problem there is then, when it comes to creating content for our business, what we're creating now is top of funnel content. Uh, with all of these interviews, right? You're just, you're, you're hitting on some of your main themes yeah. as a podcaster and some deep. of the things that you want to accomplish, but it's not really going deep into things that you need for your business, right? I can interview you about podcasting and interviewing because you've got obviously great experience as an interviewer. So I could do the same thing with you and flip the tables and and create an interview piece of content for my own blog. Yeah that's not really going to help me fill in the gaps that I need with my content. So I teach people this approach called content pyramids. And so if you visualize in your mind, an old Egyptian pyramid, right? It's a giant triangle with three sides. And at the very pinnacle, the top of the pyramid back then, they actually used a completely different kind of rock. I don't know if you know this, the, no. A completely different kind of stone for the pinnacle of the pyramid that would shine. Oh, yeah. So you would be able to see the top of the pyramid reflecting the sunlight all throughout the the, the the deserts of Egypt. So for a business, that needs to be the thing that we want to sell. Absolutely. For me, it's my blogging boot camp. I mm-hmm. want anybody that comes into my site ultimately to want to be part of this boot camp and really learn how to create blog content well and be part of my community. I've got a private community. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's – the top of my pyramid, yours is going to be something totally different. So the top of the pyramid is something we want to sell. And that encapsulates a keyword phrase that we want to rank number one for. Whatever that is for you or for your business, uh, for your website, what is it that you want to rank number one for that you want people who are going to buy from you as soon as they search for that particular keyword phrase. So have that thing in mind. And now come up with three main topics that fall within that primary topic. So if it's fishing, maybe it's types of fish to fish for, gear to use when you're fishing, and places to get those fish. Those might be three yeah. really, really key important topics that people are going to be searching for that would lead them into your number one thing, which is to guide them, right, on a, on a, on a fishing excursion. So those three things, those should be pillar pieces of content within your site. You should have a piece of content that really goes into depth about all the different kinds of fishing gear and why you need to look into that and the boxes and tackle and rods and all these different things. I'm obviously stretching the limits of my knowledge of fishing at this point, but that's okay. (laughs) Cause hopefully I'm, I'm illustrating the point. So you've got these three core pieces of content. That's your second level. That's the middle of the pyramid. Now the bottom of the pyramid, the widest base of the pyramid, that's your interviews. That's, your newsjacking stories, right, where you might write about some, some development on a river that's going to impact the ability to fish. Maybe it's open or closed. Like today, obviously, we're dealing mm-hmm. with a pandemic. So you've got closures going on that's going to impact that. You could be writing about that on your blog post. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be great long-term evergreen content. You're not going to convert a lot of people from that content, but it's going to bring them into your site. And when you're creating that content, you can easily – find one of those second tier those three core pieces to link into that it's like this interview Dave when you put this on our on your site yep. you should have already had or be planning to have that one of those second tier core pieces of content that somehow relates to what you and I talked about today so that the end or somewhere in there, you can make sure that there's a link and a call to action for somebody reading this interview to go learn more about something else that's related. That's the bottom tier of your pyramid. And you should have at least three blog posts for each one of those tiers. So you get that top pinnacle, one post up there, one page that's really, really important and leads into a sale or a conversion of some kind. You got the second tier, those three core aspects of that top tier that's four pages right there and then three blog posts for each one of those second tier that's nine blog posts minimum
0: Hmm.
1: now you've got 13 pieces of content that you've mapped out in a strategy and when you do this you're targeting in each one of these something up a level up you get the blog posts linking to the second tier and the second tier is linking to the top tier now with that 13 pieces of content all eventually leading up to that top tier. Now you're going to rank well. And here's my favorite part. Take this pyramid and flip it upside down in your mind. Now it's a funnel. Hmm. Now you've got blog content at the top of the funnel, pulling people in on interesting topical things and pulling them in and taking them deeper and teaching them more about your topic and eventually getting to the point where, they're ready to buy from you.
0: That's, that is perfect, Mike. I love that. Um, so in, before we head out of here, um, can you tell us so we can find that? Can I put a link in the show notes to track down what you just t- described there? Is that within the products you talked about?
1: Yeah. The best thing to do is I've got, and I'll give you the link. It's, a. Uh, I talk about how to create epic content, yeah. uh, and, and how to organize that content in a structure like this. Um, so you can, you can get a free, uh, worksheet that helps you figure that out. And then of course the, the blogging bootcamp, you know, we spend several weeks teaching this concept and training and teaching you how to do the the keyword research, right? So you know what it is that you should be trying to rank for at the very top and, and doing the research to figure out the questions and everything that you could be answering in those bottom tiers of content.
0: Mm-hmm. Perfect. All right. I'll put that, I'll put that in the show notes and just want to do a quick little rapid fire to get out of here. Um, yeah. we got a few more minutes here. Um, and I, sometimes I do this as time allows, but, um, kind of top, uh, top tips, top tools, top resources. And we've been, you know, I guess we've, you know, obviously been focusing on blogging. Would there be any other tips you just throw out there, some quick tips that could help somebody? I mean, you've, you've kind of laid out a framework here. Have we missed anything on what we talked about today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, gosh, I mean, because I can talk blogging for a long time, so there's definitely stuff we didn't I, cover. I know. I mean, um, like just the SEO, yeah.
0: just the SEO, or that piece, right, is a huge, uh, huge oh, yeah. thing we didn't dig into. But yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so the first thing I would suggest is make sure that you've got a tool to record your ideas for content. I oh. use Evernote. Yeah. Um, you can use, I, I wouldn't say anything you want. I would make sure that it's an app, in a system specifically for note taking. Like, what about don't Trello? Use Word. What about Trello? Trello's not bad. Yeah. Um, as long as there's a mobile app, and I'm not 100% sure that there is or isn't yeah, there for is. Trello. There is. Awesome. So you can use Trello. Perfect. Because what I want you to be able to do is record an idea for content no matter where you are, no matter when it is. If it's a notebook, a physical notebook in your office and you're in your car, that doesn't help you no. because I guarantee you by the time you get home to your office, you will have forgotten that idea. I have ideas when I'm in the shower, I have ideas when I'm driving, I have ideas when I'm shopping. I have ideas when I'm reading, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that you have that mechanism in place to record those. I like Evernote because I have a notebook just for blog, just for my blog. And anytime I have an idea for a new post, I throw it in that notebook. I now have literally hundreds of ideas. Some of them are just sitting there because I never decided to take them any further. Some of them are in progress. I have half-finished, maybe even totally finished blog posts, unpublished, (laughs) In Evernote, just waiting to go. Nice. And the beauty there is that if you want to create content successfully, you have to decide to do it. And by deciding to do it, that means you have to set aside time and schedule that. You have to plan to do it. For me, it's usually the weekends when my girls are sleeping. That's when I like to write. I, I like I, I'm not getting Slack messages from coworkers or anything else. I've got a solid two, three hours each Saturday and Sunday afternoon. To write, you might be different. You might be able to carve out 30 minutes a day at five o'clock in the morning. That's great. Whatever it is, have some time to decide to write. And when you've taken the time in advance to record those ideas inside of Evernote, now you're not sitting down at 5 a.m in front of a blank white screen saying, well, Mike told me I had to write, but I don't know what to write about. (laughs) You don't ever have that problem. Now you just open up your system. I open up Evernote and I glance through my notes, my blog post ideas, and maybe I already had an idea of what I want to write about that day. but if I don't, I've got 250 ideas already there waiting for me. That's perfect. And I can just jump in wherever I feel like it.
0: That's perfect. And what about about tools? Any other tools um, that we haven't covered here that would help for blogging?
1: Yeah, you definitely need an email marketing system. Uh, I use Wishpond. Okay, Wishpond. Which is, yeah, Wishpond is um, not well known, uh, but I love it because it integrates landing pages and pop-ups and email marketing. Yeah. So like if you use MailChimp, which is what everybody knows, yeah, you get one pop-up form or one, one sign-up form. And if you want it more, you've got to use a different tool like Ninja Forms or something like that. And here's the problem with that. One of the things that I tell people to do is to create lots of ways that people can get on your list. You don't just want to offer to have them join your newsletter. You want to have free things mm-hmm. that they can sign up for, reports, worksheets, eBooks. So those kinds of digital downloads are relatively easy to make, particularly with Google tools today. You can go into Google Docs or Google Slides and you can create something really great and download it as a PDF. And now you've got a digital download that you can offer people as an incentive to join your list. But you can't do that with MailChimp out of the box no. because you only have the one form. And with Wishpond, I can create a pop-up. Now, pop-ups might be literally a pop-up or the pop-up might be like, like you know, where you like go to leave the site and now you get an exit attempt. Or when yeah. you first come into the site, the page gets taken over by what we call a welcome map. Those are great pop-ups. They're effective. Um, that useful necessarily for every business but some that works but what works really well are what we call a modal pop up which means somewhere on the page maybe as a CTA as the bottom of a blog post or in the sidebar you tell somebody about your guide to everything you need to bring with you on a weekend fishing excursion obviously yep. just make that up yep.
0: uh
1: but that's that's an ebook that you could easily write right all the equipment and you know food and everything that you want to think about and then you write that, you publish it as a PDF and you offer it to people and you can create a pop-up click or a, yeah, pop-up on click inside of Wishpond so that you can they can just click the button and it pops up a little modal where they can push in their name and their email address and that puts them into a list inside of Wishpond that you can already have the email set up that sends them that thing that they've signed up for. So that's like the first phase of email marketing. That's it. And the second phase is You create a series of emails that educate your new subscriber in terms of who you are, what you do, uh, why your expertise, give them some things to help them, teach them about some tools and tricks and those kinds of things. You can set that up easily in advance, write four or five emails. They don't have to be long. These are basically mini blog posts. And now you have an email automation. So somebody signs up for your guide and within a few days they start getting this drip campaign. From you every few days. They get a nice new email from Dave letting them know who Dave is, what he does, how he can help them. Uh, here's some other resources that you might be interested in. You know, because you signed up for my book. So this might be, this thing over here might be really great and interesting for you. So that establishes no like and trust. And once you set it up, it's automated. That's awesome.
0: That's awesome, Mike. And I'll, I'll put a plug in for uh, at uh, outdoorsonline.co slash 123 is a, uh, a link to a, uh, a course that does exactly what you're talking about. It walks. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Step by step. Just uh, you you framed it perfectly. So, Mike, I got a ton of st- other stuff I'm not going to be able to get <laughs> to here. But I'll, I'll let you get out of here. Hey, before I do, I just want to uh, thank you for Sharing your tips. You are the um, are you the blog father? Is, is that name true? I've heard I've heard that out yeah. there. <laughs>
1: that 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 is an affectionate name. Yes. The okay. Blog father.
0: Okay. The blog the blog father. So that, that's good right there. But um, yeah, just appreciate everything you're doing. I'll put links and everything we didn't cover, and you know maybe down the line we could talk again and, and dig into something else. But but yeah, until then, just wanted to thank you for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you, man. Today's takeaway: If you turn the content pyramid upside down, you have your funnel please share this episode with one other person who wants to get better at blogging i'm here for you i wanted to let you know that if you have any struggles i'd definitely love to hear from you if you could reach out to me by phone or email that'd be amazing it's the best way early on in the game that i know uh, if i'm on the right track i'd love to hear if, if i'm doing uh, doing things the right way or if i should change it up so so give me a drop me a line so uh thanks again for stopping by today uh definitely looking forward to uh, seeing you on the next one
1: Thanks for joining us today and for your support of The Marketing Podcast. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it with one other person and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show.
0: Okay, so there you go. I hope you don't hate me for that. <laughs> I guess if you listen this long, you either, uh, um, you probably were interested a little bit in it. So hopefully, um, that kind of uh, whetted your appetite for what we have over there. I, I just had an opportunity here. You know, part of this was I had an open slot and wanted to to add something, um, but also wanted to mix it up. Again, I'm kind of trying to keep things. You know, I guess trying to keep you on your uh, on the edge of your seat a little bit. You never know what that next episode's going to be. Um, and obviously, this is something that uh, you may have heard about, uh, maybe not. But I just wanted to give a quick um, just a shout out to the Outdoors Online Marketing Podcast, something I've been spending um, quite a bit of time focusing on, and obviously I, I enjoy it, but. It's just like the wet fly swing. It takes a lot of work. So I'm hoping to, uh, you know, this year really do a better job at promoting it, getting the word out there, and hoping to find a few more people that, uh, you know, want to grow their business online because obviously there's a bunch of um, great things you can do, and um, sometimes it's hard to know where to start. So the guests I have, you can always count on that both on the wet fly swing podcast and outdoors online that I'm going to have likely... Um, each week, the greatest guest in the world on that topic—that's uh, essentially my goal—is um, to teach you through the guests, because obviously um, I know some stuff, but I'm not—I'm uh, not a rocket scientist, as as they say. So, anyways, I hope you're having a good day. And I am not going to. Um, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to throw in and take us out of here back with that um, a little bit of that. I guess you call it hip hop a little bit different i think i need to refresh the wet fly swing intro song as well so if you have any ideas send me a message uh dave at wetflyswing.com see ya